and welcome to the Eating Disorder Therapist podcast. This is a podcast to help you find peace with food and overcome disordered eating. And I'm Harriet Frew, aka the Eating Disorder Therapist. And I'm so excited to share with you all kinds of stories, tips, information and guest interviews to help you on your journey in finding peace with food. So thank you so much for listening today. So today is another bite-sized episode and I'm going to be talking about ritualistic eating and eating disorders and this has come at the request from one of you lovely listeners. So thank you for that and if you do have more ideas for bite-sized episodes do send me a DM on Instagram at the eating disorder therapist underscore. So let's talk about ritualistic eating and eating disorders. So I think firstly, it's really helpful just to recognize that as for human beings generally, it's a natural thing to have some rituals around food. You know, we all do have our different ways that we shop, prepare, store, cook, present and eat our meals. You know, we're all a little bit unique in how we like to do things. And I think that's absolutely okay. <laughs> um, you know, it doesn't have to be problematic. And we can be very influenced by lots of different things in terms of how we create our rituals. So things like tradition, you know, maybe pass down behaviors involving food and eating, or perhaps having special food or drink eaten at certain times. So for example, in the UK, a lot of people have turkey at Christmas. Maybe as well, you might clink glasses when making a toast, or maybe you have candles on a birthday cake, which you will blow out. And, you know, these can be all examples of food-related traditions. And you might have family traditions too. Things like, I'm just thinking recently, a pancake day in the UK. And I know for myself growing up, the way we would eat our pancakes was with lemon and lots and lots of sugar. And um, that is something, if I have pancakes today, I will tend to follow that ritual that has been passed on to me. Other things that may influence our rituals are things like convention. So this describes the way something is usually done. So again, if we're thinking about the Christmas dinner, you might see that Christmas turkey roast on a table with roast potatoes, the vegetables and all the trimmings. And particularly, you know, someone from the UK or maybe outside the UK, if you're seeing that spread on the table, you would know just by looking at it that that was Christmas. And, you know, I think it's very normal. We have a lot of kind of convention about how things should be. And in a way that's quite nice sometimes because it gives us um, that structure and a sort of shared joining in and community with others when lots of us are engaging in a similar way of carrying out these conventions. And then also we have a lot of comfort around rituals. Um, So these might be patterns we've developed around food or eating that make us feel good. So it might be having like a really lovely cup of tea with a particular type of biscuit or something. I know for me, when I go back to my mum and dad's, I really like having like fruit cake or something that my mum cooks with a tea, cup of tea or something as well. It might be having something like fish and chips on the beach or a particular kind of ice cream going to a particular ice cream store. Um, It could be lots of different things. We all have our own little kind of comforting rituals around food. So most of the time, these habits or rituals are really very harmless. But sometimes if your rituals have become compulsive or a way to avoid or hide deeper issues, then they can be more problematic. 
So if you feel compelled to carry out the rituals, otherwise you experience high anxiety or distress. Or if you're avoiding situations, if you cannot perform your rituals. Um, so for example, perhaps you're not going over to a friend's house because of it would mean you'd have to eat with other people and you couldn't perform your rituals. Or maybe as well, if your diet has become really imbalanced due to carrying out all the rituals, you know, maybe you're just not eating a balanced diet anymore and your intake is like very restricted, restrictive and not very varied. So these are all signs then that maybe things are a bit more problematic. So ritualistic eating behavior, I think, often happens, particularly in restrictive eating disorders. You know, we know from the Minnesota starvation experiment that when the men were starved of food, they started to develop a lot of rituals around food. So we know this is often due to starvation itself, rather than even the eating disorder, you know, and obviously the two are sort of often tied together. But I think it's worth just knowing really that if any human being is starved of food, they're probably going to develop some rituals. And I guess what can give you hope as well is realizing that when you're not in a starved or restrictive state, then it's very likely that a lot of these rituals will not be anywhere near as important to you anymore. So if you have a strong fear of gaining weight and are following a very restrictive eating pattern, you're going to be experiencing lots of emotional and physical impacts of starvation. And then you're probably going to as well have a number of ritualistic behaviors to try and manage this. So they often become like safety behaviors, ways to help you cope. So I went onto Instagram and asked some of you guys, what kind of rituals do you have? And um, I'm going to share some of these. So thank you to everyone who fed back really helpfully and openly on this. So one of the things someone mentioned was drinking vast amounts of water before eating or sipping lots of water between each bite. And this was to try and sort of reduce hunger to fill up. Another one was chewing gum instead of eating. So in a way, knowing that you're hungry, but using chewing gum as a way to avoid eating, as a way to almost like trick your body into the fact that it is getting food, even though it isn't. Another one was weighing everything down to the grain of rice. So I know some of my clients as well have talked about feeling they have to weigh lettuce, weigh cucumber, you know, weigh things that are don't have very much um, energy in them at all, but still feeling absolutely obsessed that they have to do it or they can't eat it. Wanting to be constantly around food, but not always eating it. So I know as well, many of my clients who struggle with restrictive eating work in cafes or bakeries, or they like being around food, even though they're not actually eating the food. Another one was having a certain number of mouthfuls. Also taking very small bites or ripping up food into tiny pieces. And this is to prolong the eating experience for as long as possible because actually, you know, you're not really allowing yourself to eat what your body needs. So you're trying to kind of eke out that eating experience for as long as you possibly can. I remember one of my clients um, from a couple of years ago was talking about taking about 45 minutes to eat a meal. So it's a very long time. Having a particular television program or YouTube film on. So sometimes people feel they have to have almost like a perfect setting for eating. So, and what you are so visually consuming, what you're observing, you're watching becomes very, very important. Another one is using smaller cutlery and plates or eating from only very specific crockery. So certain crockery and cutlery becomes very safe. 
if you're using smaller cutlery and plates, cannot say cutlery, <laughs> it feels then as though you, you know, you can take those smaller bites, prolong the eating experience more, feel safer. Another one is eating at certain times of the day, perhaps being on a very rigid time scale. So feeling that you are completely not listening to your body, but you're eating specifically when the clock strikes a particular number. Another one could be eating foods in a particular order. Someone else described eating things from the least tasty first to the more tasty and making food as well last over a certain time period. And then there's other rituals, other rituals that are not also particularly around the eating itself, but are surrounding the eating experience. So things like having certain cleanliness rituals around eating, maybe going to the toilet multiple times before eating, not to purge, but just because of you feel like you need to be like really comfortable before you can eat. Another one was getting into a really comfortable position and sitting and standing to adjust yourself many times before you can eat. Another one was eating in the kitchen or bedroom so family don't see what you're eating. Another one was having food at the perfect temperature, not too hot, not too cold, but you weren't able to eat it unless it was completely at the perfect temperature. And another one was having the same food every day at the same time in the same place with the same way to even get it out of the fridge. So thank you so much for sharing all those different ones. And I want to make it very clear here as well that by sharing this information, I'm not wanting to give people any ideas or unhelpful triggers. It really is to show you how consuming and compulsive these habits can become, these rituals can become, and how they can just really take over. Because you can imagine if you have to do some of these rituals before you eat or during the time that you eat or in preparing food, etc., it means that the eating experience becomes so prolonged, it becomes so preoccupying, it takes over a disproportionate part of life. So you may be wondering, why do people with eating disorders or restrictive eating patterns have these food rituals in the first place? Well, one of the main reasons is that rituals really ease stress and anxiety, and anxiety is often central to many eating disorders and many disordered eating behaviours. And The rituals are an attempt to control or push away from these unhelpful feelings. And since so much of the stress experienced by people with eating disorders is expressed as a deep fear of food or gaining weight, then people often feel overwhelmed or out of control when they are near food or they have to eat. So in these cases, the ritualistic eating can be used as a maladaptive coping strategy It's a safety strategy that makes the restrictive eating more doable. And although you might understand this and see how it can help someone cope, also you can understand as well there are huge inevitable costs from doing these rituals. Also what's interesting is some people with restrictive eating disorders may have co-occurring obsessive compulsive disorder. So one study indicated that more than 40% of people experiencing an eating disorder were found to simultaneously struggle with obsessive compulsive disorder, OCD. And OCD is characterized by intrusive, unhelpful thoughts that are only silenced by performing the ritual. And of course, if you have OCD, it may be partly around food, but it could be around all kinds of other things like checking switches, washing your hands, all kinds of things. 
So for many people as well who are experiencing food rituals, they may feel deeply um, ashamed, embarrassed, and um, under the spotlight really for having an eating disorder. And they may want, not want people close to them to know what's going on. So rather than speaking to a good friend or family member or someone else, they carry out the eating rituals as a way to try and keep safe and to hide what's going on. So how can you start to address your food rituals if you're wanting to work on them and to reduce them? So I guess first step is always to acknowledge, first of all, that your food rituals may be problematic and to do this with compassion. Be kind to yourself. They're a coping strategy. And think about why you are doing them. Think about how you would feel if you didn't do them. Would you feel very anxious or overwhelmed? Because probably... They are keeping you safe from your anxiety. They're sort of almost protecting you, at least in the short term. And maybe also you could write a list of the different rituals that you currently have in your life and just really notice all these little food rituals that may have crept in. Next, if you do have food rituals, remind yourself that these behaviours are not helping you, but rather they're really hurting you and causing you more stress. So engaging in the rituals may make you feel better in the moment, but in the long run, they're only going to strengthen the compulsion to do them more. So just as someone who has obsessive compulsive disorder and is then checking they've turned off the iron for the second or third or fourth time, they may feel better in the moment, but it only strengthens the drive to compulsively check again, robbing them of time and control over their behaviours, and this can take hours out of the day. So write a list of your pros and your cons of doing the rituals. So start to really face up to how your rituals are interrupting and not making your life so great. Thirdly, know that you are in control and you can change these behaviours. You haven't always had them. Hopefully, you can change. And remember that very restrictive eating will only exacerbate the behaviours and make them worse. You know, again, like I said, we know from the Minnesota Starvation Study that the men develop lots of food rituals due to starvation. And remember, the men didn't have eating disorders, but the power of food restriction on the body is really intense. So if you can, work on eating more and reducing your restrictive eating, as this will absolutely help. Then make a list of the rituals that you'd like to work on and rank them in order of difficulty. Start with working on one ritual at a time and trying not to do it, okay? You don't have to work on everything at once because that might feel overwhelming. And you're going to feel anxious, but through relaxation exercises such as deep breathing, maybe distracting yourself, you can learn to no longer fear the absence of the ritual. So restoring normal eating patterns. And the anxiety is going to rise and fall, but it will not last indefinitely. So once you can learn to tolerate the anxiety about breaking some of your food rituals, you'll gain confidence to take another step and to tackle the next one on your list. So it's really helpful sometimes just to do it in increments and baby steps. Now, you may need to seek out further support in therapy to help you with some of this because on a rational level, although it sounds you know, fairly straightforward to start reducing your rituals, you might find that you feel incredibly anxious and you could do with some support with this. And that's absolutely okay. I think it's important to acknowledge this because if it was a very straightforward issue, 
you probably wouldn't even have the food rituals in the first place. And therapies like cognitive behavior therapy can be really effective at reducing compulsive habits. Okay, so I hope this has given you a bit of an insight into food rituals. If you've got more things to share, do send me a DM on Instagram at the Eating Disorder Therapist, or of course, do comment in the show notes. So if you're not following me already, do seek me out on Instagram at the Eating Disorder Therapist underscore, and for further support with your relationship with food, do go to the eatingdisordertherapist.co.uk. If you enjoy this podcast, I'll be so grateful if you'd follow, rate and review as it helps it reach so many more listeners. Thank you so much for listening today and I look forward to sharing another podcast episode with you very soon.